Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, well, this is a fresh episode. I've had uh, repeats a few times in the last few weeks, but today it's a brand new episode that has never been on the podcast before. Um, it's still a holiday episode. Today I'm going to be reading you a chapter from The Nanny Piggins Guide to Conquering Christmas, and I'm going to be reading chapter four, and the story is called Nanny Piggins and the Great Boxing Day Disappointment. Oh, before I jump in, I should explain, because I know in some countries you don't have Boxing Day. I think you don't have it in America. I'm not sure if you have it in Canada. But anyway, Boxing Day is what we call the day after Christmas. So it's an English tradition. So in Australia and New Zealand, we celebrate it, probably South Africa too. So it's the 26th of December. Um, and no one really knows why it's called Boxing Day. They think maybe it was from hundreds of years ago when the servants would work on Christmas Day, but they wouldn't work on Boxing Day the day after Christmas, so they would be given something in a box, but no one's sure about that. So anyway, Boxing Day just means the day after Christmas, and it's a public holiday in a lot of countries from uh, that used to be part of the English Empire. All right, there we go. Let's get into the story. Here we go. The children sat slumped and exhausted at the breakfast table. It was Boxing Day, so they didn't really want to eat breakfast because they had eaten so much the day before. But they knew suggesting to Nanny Piggins that they might skip a meal could lead to a long lecture on the importance of regular meals. She had no notion of the idea of injuring yourself from overeating, so the children dutifully slouched by the table, waiting for her to appear. They expected her to burst out of the kitchen with chocolate-covered pancakes or chocolate-covered waffles or chocolate-covered chocolate, like she normally did. But unsurprisingly, she managed to totally surprise them by bursting in through the hallway door, dressed up from head to foot as a boxer. The children did not know what to say, partly because they were still brain-addled from all the calories they'd consumed the day before, and partly because it had never occurred to them that their nanny might appear at the breakfast table dressed as a pugilist. Derek had only had seven helpings of Christmas pudding the day before, so he was the first to gather his wits and ask, "'Nanny Piggins, why are you wearing black silk shorts, a vest and boxing gloves?' "'I'm dressed up for the boxing, of course,' said Nanny Piggins. "'Who are we going to fight first? "'Can we go down to the school? "'I'd love to take a swing at Headmaster Pimplestock "'for that disparaging remark he made about Michael's penmanship "'in his last report card.' "'Um, I think you've got the wrong end of the stick,' said Michael. "'That's a good idea,' said Nanny Piggins, enthusiastically. "'After we've done with the boxing, I could hit him with a stick, too.' "'Nanny Piggins,' said Samantha carefully. "'She did not want to enrage her nanny "'when she was dressed for a day of violence.' You do realise that on Boxing Day, there is no actual boxing. What? exclaimed Nanny Piggins. No boxing? Is this some sort of cruel joke? If there's no boxing, why do they call it Boxing Day? The children looked at each other. 
they had no idea. Now that they thought about it, they realised it made very little sense. It would be like calling the day after Easter Kung Fu Day, then scheduling no martial arts at all. Are you telling me that today is Boxing Day and yet I'm not going to be allowed to hit anybody at all? asked Nutty Piggins. Well, no more than usual anyway, said Derek. What a dreadful disappointment, said Nanny Piggins, as she slumped on a dining chair. Still, it makes sense. I had wondered why everyone was so excited by Christmas, which is just a day of presents and eating. Boxing Day seems so much more fun. You get all the leftover food plus the chance to hit people. We're sorry for your loss, said Michael sympathetically. So what are we going to do today, asked Nanny Piggins. All the shops are shut. Anyway, I've been banned from the sweet shop and the chocolatorium for a week while they repair the damages from my pre-Christmas shopping frenzy. To be strictly accurate, said Derek, it was more of a eating frenzy. Well, it seems a shame to take the chocolate home, wrap it up and give it to someone else, said Nanny Piggins. Much better to eat it while it's fresh and flavoursome. Last week you told me chocolate tasted better when you let it mature down the back of the sofa for a month, said Michael. I know, agreed Nanny Piggins, and I believed it at the time. But I think that was just because I had found a chocolate bar down the back of the sofa, so my opinion was influenced by the deliciousness of that chocolate. Well, there won't be any chocolate or boxing today, said Michael glumly. Why not? asked Nanny Piggins. Because it's boxing day, said Samantha. So? asked Nanny Piggins. In the Green family, explained Derek, Boxing Day is the day when all the extended family gets together. To do what? asked Nanny Piggins, assuming there would, at the very least, be some sort of cake-based ritual. Nothing. We just get together, said Samantha. And the police allow this? asked Nanny Piggins. Because, and no offence here, children, as you know, I think you three are all lovely. Thank you, said the children. But I am assuming your extended family takes after your father in their lack of charisma and basic hygiene, guessed Nanny Piggins. You're right, agreed Derek. So surely allowing so many painfully boring and tedious people together in one place could be dangerous, said Nanny Piggins. Their anti-personality could act like antimatter and cause a black hole, sucking the entire planet into its vortex and destroying the galaxy. Have you been watching astronomy documentaries, asked Derek. No, Star Trek, explained Nanny Piggins. It can be tremendously educational. Well, the relatives come over every year, and the galaxy has never imploded before, said Samantha. That's just what you think to the best of your knowledge, said Nanny Piggins. But what if the galaxy had imploded, and you just didn't notice because you were in the eye of the implosion, so everything seemed the same? My head's hurting, said Michael. This is too much to think about before breakfast. You mean you haven't eaten, exclaimed Nanny Piggins. Didn't you find the chocolate friands I made you? There are twelve dozen waiting for you in the kitchen. The children found that after the thought-provoking philosophical discussion, they actually did have an appetite for a few friands. So when do your dreadful relatives arrive, asked Nanny Piggins as she chomped on the 76th friand. They're invited to arrive at 10am, said Samantha. So most of them arrive between 8 and 9 o'clock. Then they can judge the ones who are on time for being late. And what refreshments would your father provide, asked Nanny Piggins, getting to the nub of what was, in her mind, the most important consideration. Oh, he doesn't provide refreshments, said Michael. What? exploded Nanny Piggins. I know I shouldn't be shocked by the depths of your father's depravity, after all I've seen him do. But to invite over guests and not supply refreshments is positively inhumane. How can you be expected to endure the company of cousins, great aunts, and even worse, great uncles, if you're unable to shove a slice of cake in your mouth? 
That's the whole reason Father offers to host. That way he gets out of providing refreshments, explained Derek. He provides the venue and tells all the guests to bring a plate. A plate? asked Nanny Piggins. Why? Is it a Greek-themed party? Are they going to smash the plates, preferably over your father's head? Because if that is the case, I may change my mind and throw my support behind the occasion. No, when you ask people to bring a plate, it means you want them to bring a plate of food, explained Samantha. Then everyone shares. Just one plate each, asked Nanny Piggins. That'll be inhaled in a millisecond. Then what are you going to do? Goodness knows, being greens, they'll have nothing to say to each other. To be fair, said Derek, father does provide entertainment. Really? Well, that's more like it, said Nanny Piggins, perking up. Who has he hired? A balloon animal artist? A juggler? A magician? Someone who breathes fire? No, said Derek, he provides the entertainment himself. When the conversation hits a lull, he gets up and does a one-hour presentation on the latest breakthroughs in tax auditing. No, gasped Nanny Piggins, thoroughly appalled. With an overhead projector to demonstrate graphs and charts, added Samantha. That's dreadful, declared Nanny Piggins. Someone should tell Santa he'd come and take Mr Green's presents back. Santa only gave him one pair of socks this year, said Michael. Which was more than he deserved, said Nanny Piggins. Santa probably only gave them to him because he can smell the stinky socks he usually wears all the way to the North Pole. Dear reader, to be strictly accurate, Mr. Green's feet did not smell that bad. At least no worse than any man whose wife has mysteriously gone missing and therefore has no one to tell him off for not doing the laundry as often as he should. But you have to remember that as a pig, Nanny Piggins has an extraordinary sense of smell, a thousand times stronger than a human's, so she could be a little overly harsh and judgmental when it came to odour. Well, I'm not standing for this, said Nanny Piggins, contradicting her statement by getting to her own feet. If your father is going to allow his dreadful relatives into this house, then I shall have to take action. Are we going out? asked Michael. No, I shall invite my own family over, said Nanny Piggins. All of them, asked Derek. Yes, said Nanny Piggins, all 13 of my identical 14 uplet sisters. They're so extraordinary and brilliant, it will counteract the drabness of the Greens, balancing out the potential social disaster and hopefully creating a normal, pleasant gathering. I thought you didn't know how to contact your sisters, said Samantha. Oh, I don't, said Nanny Piggins, but Wendy will know. Which sister is she? asked Michael. Is she the devious computer genius with a vendetta against the chess community? asked Derek. No, that's Deirdre, said Nanny Piggins. Is she the amoral kleptomaniac with a passion for apricot danishes? asked Samantha. No, that's Anthea, said Nanny Piggins. Or the messy-haired biographer who tried to take over the world by stealing your mother's cake recipes? asked Michael. No, 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 that's Nadia, said Nanny Piggins. Wendy is the evil super spy who tried to throw me out of an aeroplane. Oh, of course, her, said the children. She uses her contacts in the espionage business to keep tabs on us all, explained Nanny Piggins. Why, asked Samantha, in case she falls too deeply into fudge debt and has to blackmail one of us to raise the money to pay off her fudge supplier, said Nanny Piggins. I didn't know she had a fudge problem, said Derek. I didn't say she had a problem, said Nanny Piggins. I said she periodically ate so much fudge, she racked up tens of thousands of dollars in debt. It's very judgmental of you to assume that's a problem. Sorry, said Derek. And I happen to know for a fact that she's been tapping our telephone, said Nanny Piggins. Because you can hear a clicking sound on the line, asked Michael. He'd been watching lots of police television programs, so he knew all about such things. Partly agreed, Nanny Piggins, but mostly because of the distinctive sound of an evil pig eating fudge. Nanny Piggins lifted the handset of the telephone. Wendy, I know you're listening. 
Stopping chewing does not conceal the fact that you are there. I can smell the fudge down the phone line. Can she do that? asked Samantha, worried about the time she'd eaten an apple right before ringing her nanny. Nanny Pickens did not approve of fruit, especially in its raw form. She was suspicious of anything that was good for your bowels. Michael shrugged. Nanny Pickens can do anything. Nanny Pickens continued to speak on the phone. Wendy, I want you to gather all our sisters and have them here at the greenhouse by 10.15 today. What do you mean, why should I? Isn't a polite request from your sister enough? When was she polite? asked Derek. I'll make it worth your while, promised Nanny Piggins. If you get them here on time, I shall buy you one box of fudge. The largest one available from Mr. Flomberg's fudgetorium. The children heard the click of the phone on the other end as Wendy hung up. Now we just sit back and wait, said Nanny Piggins. And eat more Freons, asked Michael. Of course we eat Freons, agreed Nanny Piggins. Plus, we'd better whip up some real refreshments. My sisters are not going to put up with your father's shabby standards when it comes to hospitality. If there isn't a large quality of A-grade cake, plus apricot danishes for Anthea, the subsequent riot may very well cause structural damage to your home. Hey, parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. At 8.02am, the Greens began to arrive. They were every bit as detestable as Nanny Piggins had imagined. First to arrive was Cousin Agnetha, an utterly unpleasant woman. She always looked like she'd been sucking on a lemon, because she had always been sucking on a lemon. She needed to, to keep scurvy at bay. She was so miserly, she only ever ate homemade porridge, which meant she was prone to vitamin C deficiency. Scurvy. To counteract this, she did not buy vitamin C tablets from the chemist. No, that would be too lavish. Instead, she went out every night at midnight, climbed her back fence and stole a lemon from her next-door neighbour. And then spent the next day sucking on it. Next came Uncle Waldo. He smelt even worse than Mr Green because he had discovered sometime in the mid-80s that you can save a fortune on socks if you don't wear them. And since he did not mind the smell of his own feet... It's a peculiarity of evolution that people with a normally perfectly good sense of smell for some reason do not mind the whiff of their own body odour. Anyway, during the last three decades since he'd stopped wearing socks, he had saved nearly $200. He had not spent much money on socks beforehand. And then came Great Aunt Hilda, a shrewd, shriveled old lady who enjoyed saying mean things to see how people would react. She was the one who concocted the whole Santa photo scheme. See Chapter 1 or Use Your Memory purely because she knew how much it made Mr Green squirm to remember that he had three children. By 9.45, the house was full of two dozen people who only had three things in common. Their surname was Green, they were unpleasant, and they smelt like they'd left their washing out on the line for a week in rainy weather. Which, incidentally, if you've ever left your clothes on the line for a week and wondered what that smell is, it's fungus and bacteria growing between the fibres of your clothes. Do you think if we call the police sergeant, we could have them all arrested, asked Nanny Piggins, as they watched the amassed greens all sitting silently in the living room through the peepholes in the kitchen wall. Nanny Piggins had drilled four holes in the wall specifically for this purpose, so they could all peek at whoever was in the living room at once, because the inconvenient thing about peepholes is usually you have to take it in turns to peek. The police sergeant's on holiday in Bermuda, said Derek. 
Do you think he'd cut his holiday short? asked Nanny Piggins. This is an emergency. The floor may very well collapse under the weight of their boringness. It's five minutes to ten, said Samantha. Your sister should be here at any moment. That'll perk things up. Nanny Piggins checked her watch. If we all survive the next five minutes. Just then the doorbell rang. Who could that be? asked Nanny Piggins. It must be his sister, said Derek. Don't be ridiculous, said Nanny Piggins. Pigginses do not arrive early. We devote every available minute of preparation time to ensuring that we look fabulous. Then we prefer to arrive a little bit late so that everyone is waiting in breathless anticipation. The doorbell rang again. Come along, said Nanny Piggins. Let's see who it is. It's not like this lot are going to do anything interesting when we're not looking. When Nanny Piggins swung open the door, she was immediately shocked and appalled, for there on the doorstep was her least favourite sibling, which was really saying something because most of her sisters were congenitally evil. It was her brother. Ugh, Bramwell Piggins, said Nanny Piggins. She had a way of saying her brother's name that made it sound like the very rudest swear word. What on earth are you doing here? Well, I heard you are having a family gathering, said Bramwell, so I thought I'd pop by and regale my delightful sisters with anecdotes about my latest exploits. You did no such thing, accused Nanny Piggins. You came along because you knew that any function I was hosting, there would be impossibly delicious cake. There will? How lovely, said Bramwell. Where's the buffet table? He asked as he tried to edge his way around Nanny Piggins, but the fact that her brother had a slight weight problem, which is the polite way of saying that he had an enormous weight problem, and was as wide as he was tall, was not going to deter Nanny Piggins from blocking his entry. She was a diminutive pig, and only four foot tall, and weighing only 40 kilograms, but as she and Bramwell both knew full well, she could soon incapacitate him with a brutal noogie, wedgie, or wet willy, or any of the other forms of violence that are allowable in the eyes of the law between brothers and sisters. "'You might as well let him in,' said Derek. "'It was Christmas and therefore the time of being charitable. "'At least he'll give the Greens something to talk about, "'or rather complain about.' "'Yes, and I know what the topic of conversation will be,' said Nanny Piggins. "'Your great-aunt Hilda will take one look at him "'and start talking about bacon sandwiches. "'She really is so predictable.' "'Are we spit-roasting pork for lunch?' exclaimed great-aunt Hilda "'as Bramwell entered the room. Oh, "'I have to give her credit,' said Nanny Piggins begrudgingly. "'I didn't expect her to come up with new material.' Madam, it is a delight to meet you, lied Bramwell, as he leaned forward to kiss Great Aunt Hilda's hand. Not that he really wanted to kiss it. He used it as an opportunity to eat the slice of Christmas cake she'd forgotten she was holding. Piggins, said Mr Green, what's this pig doing here? Much as Nanny Piggins did not want her brother in her house either, she did not like being addressed as Piggins. After all, she was a lady, not a private schoolboy. And while it's extremely common for brothers and sisters to not like each other, the one thing that will always unite them is criticism from an outsider. It's my house, declared Nanny Piggins. I have every right to invite my brother to a holiday gathering. It's not your house, it's mine, spluttered Mr Green. The deed is in my name. A slight technicality, said Nanny Piggins. I think if you ask anyone on the street whose house this is, it is universally referred to as Nanny Piggins' place. This is a family gathering for my family, declared Mr Green. But I'm the nanny, said Nanny Piggins. That makes me part of your family. Haven't you read any popular literature? Nannies and long-haired dogs are always considered to be so beloved that they are family members. Pish, said Mr Green, failing to think of a reasoned argument. There, said Nanny Piggins, that's my catchphrase. You've only picked it up because we've been living together for so long. What was that? asked Great Aunt Hilda, turning up her hearing aid. Usually she left it turned off because she was so miserly she liked to conserve the batteries. "'Apparently Lysander has been living with a pig for years,' said Uncle Waldo. 
Doesn't surprise me, said Great Aunt Hilda. Who else would have him? Only decent woman he ever knew was his wife, and he pushed her over the side of a boat. I did not push my wife over the side of a boat, said Mr. Green. She mysteriously went missing. Yes, that's what they all say, said Great Aunt Hilda. Fortunately, the unpleasant conversation among the Greens was brought to an end by a window smashing as a smoke bomb was thrown into the room. <coughs> What's going on, sputtered Samantha. Aha, said Nanny Piggins. I think my sisters have arrived. She was immediately proved correct by Wendy swinging in through the broken window on an abseiling line and landing, cat-like, amongst the shards of broken glass. Where's my fudge? demanded Wendy. Where are my other twelve sisters? demanded Nanny Piggins. I've locked them in a minibus out the front, declared Wendy. Show me the fudge and I'll show you our sisters. Not another pig, wailed Mr. Green, as the smoke began to clear and he could see who Nanny Piggins was talking to. No, agreed Nanny Piggins, another thirteen pigs. This is about to be the first gathering of the Piggins sisters since we shared a weaning shed all those years ago. How many years ago, exactly, asked Derek. He knew it was rude to ask, but he couldn't help but be curious. Derek, said Nanny Piggins, you should never ask a lady her age. You certainly shouldn't ask 14 identically aged women their age, especially when many of them had advanced training in martial arts. Enough of the fiddle-faddle, snapped Wendy. She wasn't the only Piggins who made up words. Where's the fudge? I hid it in an ingenious hiding place, said Nanny Piggins. To prevent fudge nappers, asked Wendy. No, so I'd forget where I put it and not eat it myself, admitted Nanny Piggins. So where did you hide it, asked Derek. That's a good question, said Nanny Piggins. She rubbed her snout as she tried to remember. The problem is I'm so good at coming up with ingenious hiding places, I sometimes accidentally outwit even myself. Why don't you try imagining you are a box of fudge, suggested Michael. Where would you hide yourself? That's it, exclaimed Nanny Piggins. I gaffer taped the fudge to the underside of the trapdoor down into the cellar. Um, I think you'll find it's not there, said Great Aunt Hilda. What are you talking about, asked Nanny Piggins. Is someone checking that this woman regularly takes her medication? When I arrive at Lysander's house, the first thing I always do is search every nook and cranny for snacks, said Aunt Hilda, because I know you can't rely on him to provide decent refreshments. You know, children, this is the first one of your relatives whom I actually like, said Nanny Piggins. I like the cut of your jib, great Aunt Hilda. Are you sure you're really a green? You could have been adopted. Perhaps you're a distant relative of a Piggins. At this moment, the conversation was interrupted by a cabbage smashing in through the only unbroken window in the room. Who on earth would throw a cabbage through my window? wailed Mr. Green. Oh dear, said Nanny Piggins. Katerina Piggins. She's the evil vegetable lover, Michael explained to the rest of the Green family. The others must have escaped the minivan, said Wendy. Brace yourselves, Nanny Piggins warned the Greens. You are about to meet my entire family. What followed was a spectacular Christmas function. A lot of food was eaten. Fortunately, Hans the baker was a Buddhist, so he was quite happy to work on Boxing Day, and he was able to deliver a truckload of baked goods to appease the gathering of the Pigginses. Mr Green tried to calm the guests by delivering his traditional Boxing Day tax lecture, featuring transparencies of all his favourite deductions from throughout the year. But Deirdre, being an evil inventor, took the overhead projector out into the garden, amplified its power, and used it to toast marshmallows instead. Then Nanny Piggins' Boxing Day dream came true when all the Pigginses and the Greens got into a massive fistfight in the garden. The Pigginses, of course, enjoyed this enormously. Wrestling in the rose bushes is much more fun than traditional Boxing Day activities like playing board games or watching old movies. But even the Greens enjoyed the brawl. 
Aunt Hilda had been longing to punch Uncle Waldo in the nose for years, and she finally got her chance. Cousin Jean seized the opportunity to grab Aunt Edith's wig and chuck it in the next-door neighbour's birdbath, and even Mr Green snuck in a quick kick to his Uncle Seamus's shin for giving him a second-hand bookmark for his Christmas present when he was only nine years old. Later that night, when all the extended family had gone home, Nanny Piggins and the children sat around the kitchen table eating ice cream. Well, that was an excellent family gathering, said Nanny Piggins happily, as she held an ice cream pack to her blackened eye. She had accidentally hit herself in the face while wrestling Bramwell into Mrs Lowe's fish pond because she felt it was her civic duty to make sure Bramwell took a bath. My favourite part was when Samantha emptied third cousin Iris's handbag into Mrs Simpson's worm farm, said Michael. Samantha blushed. She said something mean about my nose. Good for you, said Nanny Piggins. Boxing Day is now my favourite public holiday. But you do understand that you aren't really meant to do boxing on Boxing Day, Derek reminded her. Pish, said Nanny Piggins. I don't believe that for a second. Boxing is clearly the perfect thing to do the day after Christmas. A few fisticuffs and a bit of a wrestle. It's just a thing when your family's been getting on your nerves. It helps you build up your appetite for eating the leftovers as well. Not that there were any leftovers in the greenhouse. The 13 Piggins sisters plus Bramwell saw to that before disappearing into the night as suddenly as they'd arrived. I can't wait until next year, said Nanny Piggins. We should build an actual boxing ring. Your great Aunt Hilda has quite the right hook. I saw the way she took on Wendy when they both lunged for the last square of fudge. Aren't you sad that you only got to see your sisters for a short and violent amount of time? asked Derek. Not at all, said Nanny Piggins. I know some people say that Christmas is a time for families and togetherness, and that is true to some extent but you have to very carefully limit just how long you spend with your family. Just as our families are the people we love most in the world, they're also the people who irritate us most in the world. And no one wants to spend Christmas Day in prison facing 13 counts of attempted piggicide. Don't you mean 14, if you include Bramwell? asked Samantha. No, said Nanny Piggins. No court in the land would convict me for attempting to piggicide Bramwell. They would probably just join in. And that is the end of the story. And so until next time, goodbye.